This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. Without enough information or the right information, it's hard for us to make decisions on just about anything. But as a society in a democracy, do we have the right to access information, especially from our public bodies? So in conjunction with International Day for Universal Access to Information, which has been observed annually um, on the 28th of September, I am joined today by Watshla Naidu, Executive Director of the Centre for Independent Journalism. And hopefully we can get Watshla to shed more light on the importance of access to information and why that also matters when it comes to press freedom in Malaysia as well. Thank you so much for joining me today, Vachla. Thank you, Siren. Happy to be here. Now, I'll start with um, asking you, right, what do we mean by access to and freedom of information? You know, is access and freedom of information the same thing? Um, I actually also, um, you know, want to also add that what we usually look at is a right to information, first mm-hmm. and foremost, right? Because a right would mean there is a, um, a duty bearer and a rights holder. And if we are saying right to information, it then actually encompasses our freedom you know, of information as well as our right to access that, uh, information. So in the, in the context of right to information, uh, what we understand, globally or what is accepted is actually a right to access information which is in the possession or in the custody or control of public authority. That means it's public information. Um, and it is our ingrained right, yeah, inherent right, purely because it's held by public uh, figures. You know, it's public authorities held by the government and it's information that belongs to us. Hence the reason why, you know, there is an expectation that we should have access to this information to enable us to make relevant decisions. Mm. Could I get you to elaborate a bit more on the type of information that we're talking about? Because you mentioned the public, uh, we both mentioned public bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to information, right, there is, of course, a voluminous volume of information held by public authorities, but also non-state actors. We all have information that is relevant to us, right? Data, uh, so many different kinds of issues, matters of relevance that's been held by the public authority. But, but it's not an absolute right. It doesn't mean that you have access to, you know, all the information held by the public authorities. Um, mostly what we are looking at uh, would be information around, say, budget, for example, right? How are how, uh, funds being allocated to certain ministries, certain agencies, certain projects by the government? How are these funds being uh, utilised? Is there an accountability mechanism to make sure there are appropriate checks and balances, right? So those are the kinds of information. We want information related to public policy matters. We want information that also relates to our day-to-day lives. For example, you know, especially in KL nowadays, you know, potholes. Mm. Every other street, there are potholes. And we want to have information you know who is meant who is meant to be managing it why have this not been rectified who are the companies you know especially if say in kl dbkl you know who's getting the tenders to rectify all these potholes in the main roads right and highways so those are information that are relevant and those should be made public yeah i also want to go back to the point about 
where information not all information is really absolute right mm -hmm. there are of course situations where certain restrictions could be placed yeah and this goes to also uh, you know if we look at our international laws international standards right what it says is of course there is you know our right to exercise you know um right i mean sorry right to access information but there would be certain instances where the there could be exceptions or restrictions placed to our access and but again i want to stress that these would relate to say personal information yeah uh, i don't want the government to be disclosing all my you know information related to say my id mm -hmm. my bank details especially when it may cause unwarranted like invasion of my privacy right also instances where it's to it could possibly say undermine defense of the state or it's you know is um, territorial integrity or national security there could be instances where it could also uh, affect um, you know commercial uh, or trade secrets or intellectual property but any time these restrictions are placed it must be legitimate it must be necessary and it must be proportionate yeah but ultimately these uh, restrictions will also come under a harm test okay because at the end of the day public interest must prevail yeah uh, and i always find um the sri lankan right to information act very relevant mm -hmm. because it even says things like um uh, it's not indefinite withholding of information right information can be disclosed after a lapse of 10 years so it's it's all about what is relevant the timeliness and how it's going to impact our own decision making mm a lot of things to consider right it's not just a free for all sort of giving out of information Yes. Mm. In an ideal world, right, when we talk about universal access, what does that look like in terms of, I guess, the processes that would be involved for someone to gain access to such information from public bodies? Yeah, I think when first of all, if we take a step back, why is information relevant to us, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as a general public, it kind of it would facilitate us in forming our opinion on especially issues that affect us on a day-to-day -day life. our you know our larger political economic social cultural lives yeah and when we are able to form our opinions we are also then able to hold the government and all its related bodies right accountable for their decisions or actions that affect us as general public and that would then you know of course promote more constructive participation in any kind of debate or you know any kind of processes that would uh impact decision making or public interest and that's then the cornerstone of democracy because that ensures transparency enhanced participatory democracy good governance and and in you know ultimately strengthens rule of law so the kind of mechanism we we put in place right for for years cij has always been pushing for the need to have a progressive information regime now progressive information regime is not just about needing to have a law all right uh because beyond laws beyond substance of what's in a law or a policy you need the right mechanisms in place mm -hmm. right and you also need the right culture we we have to move away from a culture of secrecy you know malaysia is so shrouded everything is secret everything is confidential because everything then becomes a threat to national security we need to move away from that and the government would need to consider how they can be more progressive more proactive and be able to ensure maximum disclosure 
Now, to do that, of course, yes, as I said, yeah, it's not just the law, but we do need the law because the law will set the framework for us. And then be after that, it, and information often is held by multiple agencies, right? Mm -hmm. So many different ministries and so many different departments. It's all being held in different hands. So how do you consolidate uh, and ensure that there is a right channel that will be able to disclose this, disclose this information? And in instances where information is not disclosed or when you need the information, how can we access it? What mechanisms could be put in place, right? I'll share with you an example um, of the, say, the Penang uh, state enactment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We have a freedom of information enactment for, for Penang and Lango. Um, and we've, we've tested this a number of times, you know, submitting applications to see how long it takes, what's the process like. And Penang is a, a very unique team because they were quite progressive. They, you know, they, they had set up, they had initially set up counters in Comta. You go to a specific floor, you submit your application and you get the information. Mm -hmm. But that's for people who actually know that they, you can do go through this process. And the process can also be extremely cumbersome to add because we've been, I've been to Comta to mm -hmm. try to test this out. I couldn't even find a counter. Uh, we had to ask several people. We had to go to different floors be before we could even discover the right thing. And all he needed the, the state government to do was to put up a little notice to say where you can go. Right. So it's a lot of it. It's, it's the law, it's the mechanism, but it's also the culture of our thinking. You know, what can make, you know, access to information more accessible? How can you remove the barriers and how can you educate the public? Mm. All right. We'll go for a quick break now, Wachla, and continue this discussion when we come back. I want to ask you more about what Malaysia might look like if we do have a federal level Freedom of Information Act. I'm speaking today to Wachla Naidu, Executive Director for the Centre for Independent Journalism. And we are talking about the right to information, the right to know. Um, and that is in conjunction with the International Day for Universal Access to Information, which is observed tomorrow on the 28th of June. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Live and Learn, PFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su Anne. On the show with me today is Wachla Naidu, Executive Director of the Centre for Independent Journalism. And we are discussing the importance of the right to information, the right to know. And, you know, before the break, we were talking about the importance of having the law as a framework. But more important than that is, um, you know, that's just the first step. We need a culture of uh, knowledge, the, the culture of making the that information accessible. Now, you mentioned that, um, you know, Slango and Penang both have enactments when it comes to freedom of information, but we don't have one at the federal level. So what does that really mean in terms of our access to information across Malaysia? The lack of a legislation in itself is not, not problematic, first mm -hmm. and foremost, right? What is more problematic would be if we look at our legal framework um, and again, you know, legal frameworks often um, very, very restrictive in, in the sense that it protects this culture of secrecy, right? Mm -hmm. We have the Official Secrets Act. It's 50 years actually this year uh, since it, it came into force, right? Uh, the OSA creates that barrier, yeah? Uh, even if we remove OSA, it might even make it more possible for us to be able to access information without a legislation, right? 
because that gives our too much of arbitrary power, I think, to one um, to just classify uh, a document as confidential and so forth, right? With no time um, time limit, it uh, also does not uh, allow for it to be challenged in court. So a decision is is, is uh, of course there are grounds to then remove the the classification mm -hmm. or change the class. But it's a really cumbersome process that makes assessing information already problematic, right? And then second, and I, I feel somehow this is one of the biggest barriers um, to us being able to access public information. It is the specific provision in our penal code, Section 203A, which actually makes it an offense to disclose any unauthorized dis dissemination of information, yeah, especially by public servants, which is of um, you know, information uh, obtained in the performance of their duty. So can you imagine the fear that uh, those in the public service would feel when they are liable to be fined up to one million or even imprisoned for up to one year if they disclose information? Yeah. So these structures, will, of course, there are other laws as well in place, but these laws needs to be, you know, repealed because as long as it remains there, even a new legislation is not going to assist. Mm. Yeah. So having a new legislation would mean it gives the 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 public, you know, as well as those in the public service, enough room uh, to give them a standard that will guide them in disclosing information from the public uh, service. But for the public, we would know what are the mechanisms in place that would allow us to access information. But I also want to say that accessing information, um, again, uh, law is definitely going to help us, right? But most importantly, we have to also look at what's the infrastructure around us now. Mm -hmm. yeah? Even without a law at the moment, MAMPU, for example, or even the Department of Statistics Malaysia, DOSM, uh, they have the infrastructure, they have the, the resources, and they are actually quite progressive in the way they are putting up data. Right. The, the issue before us is what kind of data is available? Yeah? And what happens if the kind of data we want is not accessible? Right? So they, these are a lot of things that the, we need to think very, very um, uh, progressively as well as think about ways of mitigating these challenges that will continue. Having a new law without repealing OSA is going to be a challenge for us, right? Again, unless you know you have a very, very progressive law such as in Sri Lanka, which specifically includes a clause to say, you know, the right to information act shall prevail over other existing laws, right? So these are things that need to be thought of. Having said that, of course, even our government, um, regardless of the various changes in government, mm -hmm. um, the current government, especially under uh, the Legal Affairs Division of the Prime Ministers of uh, Department, by you, by Genhal Ewal Undangunda, they're actually still committed to pushing for a right to information legislation. Yeah, The substance of it needs to be uh, guaranteed so that it does not continue to place barriers, but works to the benefit of the public. Mm. And what obligations would be imposed upon the government if we were to have a right to information? The, the, actually, the obligations of the government is already there. Even if mm. you look at our sustainable development goals, mm -hmm. yeah, goal 16 talks about the need to make sure there is a progressive information regime. 
Yeah. So the government is already committed to that. You know, the government may not have ratified uh, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, which actually talks about freedom of expression and information. But on the other side, we are as a party to the United Nations. You know, uh, we are also bound by the principles uh, within the UDHR, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which also, you know, uh, talks about the need to guarantee our right to information. Right? And then, uh, and then we look at our federal constitution, our Malaysian federal constitution, Article Ten. While explicitly does not talk about right to information, it is about promoting freedom of expression. And how can you express yourself if you don't have access to information? All right, you have to have access to receive, to seek, receive, and to um, also to to share information that we have to be able to participate in dialogues and to be able to express ourselves. So there are already mechanisms or laws or structures in place which requires you know the government to to disclose information. What is missing? It is, and, and this is why I use the term right to information, is the actual acknowledgement and the move and the commitment by the state to say that as a uh, uh, duty bearer, it is their responsible to ensure that they are proactively disclosing information that would enable public to you know, make decisions. For me, it's really critical. I mean, the fact that we are also living in a limbo, for example, right, not knowing when the election is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, makes it really difficult for us. I mean, yes, it requires a lot of um, you know amendments to our current legal framework that would make uh, you know election perhaps a fixed a fixed term process so that we know exactly when it's coming. Yeah, this this political manoeuvring is causing so much of challenge to us because we can't even plan ahead because we don't know when elections going to be right. Mm. So you know those kinds of things like you know having dates of elections out there that makes it um, easier for the public, right? And other things like you know information that is related to our day to day decision making. I gave examples of our potholes, mm-hmm. but also to do with you know if we are talking about economic recovery at the moment, right? Post COVID, uh, we see our currency you know being tremendously affected by what's happening. You know not just within Malaysia but globally. But we want to know clearly what measures are being taken by the state to address this. Right, and it's it's our right to know. Mm. And uh, another thing, um, I I I, had, I did think of was when it comes to environmental issues. Right, that's something mm. that's on everyone's mind. We want to know what the government has planned to tackle climate change, or even just more locally, what the government has planned to tackle potential floods that are coming with the monsoon season as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the 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 I think the frustration for us often on the ground is. The commitment that the government makes at the global level mm-hmm. and how that does not necessarily get translated at the national level. You know, Malaysia is all part of the COP, right? Uh, they go up to the global arena and talk about climate change. Yeah? They go up to, to the General Assembly, uh, the UN General Assembly, and they make statements, mm-hmm. right? How does that then translate back to what's actually happening here in Malaysia? Yeah, Climate change... Uh, may be largely a new phenomenon to us, the lay public, mm-hmm. but not for the state. This discussion has been going on for a few decades now within the UN itself, right? And they should have uh, 
mitigation plans. I think what is really frustrating for us about the floods, for example, yeah, it happened in December last year. Mid that the the I think the major uh, floods were around those period, right? Mm -hmm. It's continuing, yeah. And every other, I, I would say, politicians coming up to say, hey, what are we going to do to deal with the floods? But for months, we've not had a clear plan. How are you going to mitigate this? It's not about preparing yourself for the flood. What have you put in place to deal with it? That's the kind of information we want to know, right? And especially on larger environmental issues as well. I think more and more people are speaking out. And I, I'm really um, happy to see media picking up issues around you know, uh, environment, it's a fact on climate change. So this shows that a more informed public would demand for the information. But having that information, you can also then make your decisions. Mm. And speaking of media watch, like maybe we, let's talk about that for a bit. How would access to information, the right to access information, also facilitate the work of journalism and the, the press in disseminating information to the public? Yeah. The media works on information, right? That's like the core. You, you look at figures that come before you. You look at information that is shared by your various sources. Mm -hmm. You look at, you know, you know, if you're doing political reporting, you look at statements being made by politicians. You need to have access to that information first, yeah? Access to data that is reliable, that is timely. And for media to be able to get multiple sources of information is critical so that there is fair, balanced reporting. Now, the challenge I would say media faces now uh, would be in terms of the, the not so much, I mean, yes, there is information uh, issues around timeliness of information, but also the source of information is critical. Yeah, very often, uh, it's quite unfortunate, sometimes when we talk to young reporters, they say, yeah, I'm waiting for the statement by a particular minister, right, so that I could turn that into news. But that's not... Um, necessarily uh, the the main role of media. Journalists on the ground go and look for information, right? Now, the challenge would be when you can't get access to the information or if you do get access to the information, there is fear that by publishing said information, yeah, you put perhaps, you know, yourself um, would uh, attract or even your source may be attract. So the, for, for media, the restrictions are very uh, are the barriers. If you're not able to access information, you won't be able to produce news that is reliable, yeah, that is ethical and that is balanced. In many, uh, you know, you talked about environment just now, climate change, and these are areas that are critical, right? And these are also emerging areas for media at the moment. But if media, one, you're not able to say, for example, there's a new development. Mm -hmm. Why has there been de of a particular forest? If you can't even get information, you can't get access to the document, you know, you're not able to do your own investigative journalism, you know, how then are you able to publish, you know, and without the media taking the, you know, the position or taking the responsibility to publish, what kind of information then are we, the public, going to be able to access? So there is like multiple layers and the role of media here is key, right? There is also often the, the fear that media faces, especially in terms of threats of defamation, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and But media would also have the necessary protection of reportage, right? 
you are reporting real facts. Yes, the threats are there, but the role of media, if you're able to access information, yeah, and you're able to review this information in a, in a non-biased manner, non-prejudicial manner, and, and reproduce it so that public is also able to access the same information, you're actually fulfilling your fundamental role as a fourth estate. Mm -hmm. Mm. To what extent do you see the public um, valuing the importance of access to information? Is that something that you see people increasingly paying attention to? I, I, we are living in a world where our sole source of information has changed, mm -hmm. right? I remember growing up um, in schools, basically, you know, just relying on newspapers, for example, relying on my radio, TV as my main sources of information, mm -hmm. right? Things have changed at the moment. We have social media spaces. We have the internet, which allows for the amplification of information, news. Uh, everything, anything is possible to go viral overnight mm -hmm. within half an hour, within seconds for that matter, right? Uh, there are pros and cons to this, yeah? Pros, of course, now you have multiple sources of information, yeah? You don't necessarily also, you know, completely rely on the state to give you the information, right? And... Internet to an extent, if you are able to, it also provides certain level of anonymity where you disclose information, all right? That's a pro, all right? Because now we are able to access more information. The, the con, the challenge here is the, the, the viability and reliability of information. This is where if government is not ensuring proactive disclosure, you know, you, we get fed with misinformation and disinformation, yeah? This fake news now is governing our lives. Every other day, um, we get uh, WhatsApp messages that are forwarded, mm -hmm. especially by family members. I don't know why that happens most often. <laughs> I, you know, and the, the thing is, it's difficult to verify said information because where do you go to verify the information, right? Mm -hmm. Do I go to sabanania.my? Yeah, are they updated? But I would rather the government's, you know, uh, say websites, for example, have, I would know, I could go to the government's website and should be able to access this information, I could clarify. So the proliferation of this information needs to be addressed, right? So those would be the cons. So yes, we are more aware in the sense that we know the information is out there. But the awareness is challenged because we don't know how to distinguish and not reliable information. Yeah, we do get taken in a lot by wanting to be the first person to amplify, mm -hmm. first person to share, right? Because everything is important. We we are increasingly becoming societies that's perhaps not able to distinguish between information that is relevant to our decision making. Everything now becomes like it's like almost mass-produced information, you know, uh, through mass media, through social media, kind. Okay? So I think the awareness needs to be uh, prioritized, not just by the state, but by the media as well as by civil society. Because if as a society or as a public, you know, I would want to know it is my right to get information, but it's also my right to get information in a, in a manner that's not you know, causing me a lot of uh, restrictions, barriers. I don't want to go pay hundreds of ringgit, right? Mm. I don't want to be knocking on my adun's door repeatedly. 
I want to be able to access information when I need the information, right? But I also I think it's also important that the public would need to be educated on what information could be restricted, uh, restricted, and when it could be restricted, yeah, and also to understand what is public harm. Sometimes, and actually, I won't say something. Quite often, we see a lot of doxing. We see a lot of pub private information uh, being put online, right? So the the distribution channels for information has changed. Right. So for us now to rethink about how do we moderate these channels, right, it's going to be very critical. Mm. So what can we do, you know, the average Malaysian do at this moment, I guess, to push for better access to information? We, in, in CIJ's um, usual uh, awareness uh, campaigns or even our capacity building thing, we, we talk about a couple of things. We, we always ask the public to ask the, for the information. You don't have to be the, the source that's amplifying it. You don't need to be republishing it. Mm -hmm. But as a public, just keep asking. Yeah? Ask your MPs. Ask the different ministries. If you notice in, in the different ministries' uh, website or the different portals that they have, there's always an, uh, often there's an inquiry or a complaints tab. You just need to click on it and just keep asking for that information. The more the public's voice gets generated from bottom up, it's when people, the, the government will start thinking about, hey, we need to make sure that we're giving this information, All right? Uh, and we've seen how um, our government has uh, reacted to certain demands with regards to information, right? Uh, and the need to disclose this. I think we need, we cannot stop ourselves. We, we should not stop from asking and demanding because it's our right to the information, yeah? Uh, I, I would actually kind of like use this opportunity to rally all the public here in Malaysia, ask the government the questions, yeah? And asking for information is not just to say, hey, the information is not there, I want the information. There are often times where, uh, you know, people in power make statements, right? And these statements needs to be verified by actual data. And again, I call the public, Every time you hear these statements, ask them for evidence of data. If what is backing up what you're saying, all right? Uh, so that that would deal with reducing the proliferation of this information or misinformation. Yeah, that's a role of public. The second thing I think the public should do is be very very conscious of the kind of information that they are receiving, and not just you know forward it. <laughs> just look at it, uh, you know. Uh, always review the source. Where is it coming from? Is it reliable? And then pause. I would always say pause before you send it off. Yeah. And the third thing is act. Also, when you see the information, there's something wrong with the information. It, it balls uh, or it seems to kind of uh, propagate hate act report. Uh, to say, obviously, most of us are now getting a lot of information through social media, report through the social media uh, reporting mechanisms, right? And finally, I think we need to push our government to speed up the process to legislate a right to information um, law. You know, in the meantime, what else can we do leading up? What, what else do you want to see from the government leading up to the um, passing of such a law? The, the commitment, as I said earlier, by you, the Bahagian Haliwal Undang Undang, they, they are committed to seeing this through, right? The challenges, as I also shared, would be what kind of mechanisms will be put in place, right? 
Um, and we need to also understand the concept of information is changing. In fact, this year's um, International Day for Universal Access to uh, Information STEAM is on artificial intelligence and e-governance. Mm -hmm. That means it, the way the channel of, again, distribution changes, right? It's not just us walking into a, a government agency. Hey, can you give me this 100-page this document or something like that? It is being able to access this document online, right? This comes with its own challenges mm -hmm. because obviously now government has access to a lot of our public, uh, sorry, private data, citizens' data, right? We need the, uh, you know, as we are moving towards the legislation, we also need the government, the state, to put in place effective protection mechanisms. Yeah, so that our data is not being manipulated. Yeah, it is not being used for commercial purposes. Yeah, uh, and our privacy is protected. I think that is key. So the mechanisms must always be, because as I said, we keep making commitments internationally. We translate some of the commitments. I mean, these are commitments that we've made through SDG. Mm -hmm. These are commitments. I mean, we have actually an AI roadmap. Yeah, but this needs to be translated so that the, the public or the citizens' rights are protected. That should be, you know, public interest must always, you know, uh, up, be upheld and it must always prevail, you know, anytime there is a challenge in regards to restrictions or exemptions with, uh, on disclosure of information. So the government needs to move away from working in silos. They need to engage with the different ministries, different agencies to create that right infrastructure, yeah? And the infrastructure would have to go hand in hand with a substantive law. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Wachla. Thank you. Thank you, Siren. I've been speaking to Wachla Naidu, Executive Director for the Centre for Independent Journalism about the right to access information and why it's important for the public to make informed decisions in a democracy. And this is in conjunction with the International Day for Universal Access to Information, which is observed annually on the 28th of September. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcast on bfm.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suen and this has been Live and Learn BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.